Welcome to Gerstel's Making Labs Work podcast. It's a show about analytical chemistry, interesting instruments, and the challenging analytical problems that they solve. A very warm welcome to this next episode of the Making Labs Work podcast from Gerstel. Today, of course, uh, with me is Kurt Sexton from the US. Hello, Kurt. Hello, Jan. Good to be back. Yes, and my name is Jan Gabriel here from the headquarters at Gerstel in Mülheim an der Ruhr, Germany. And we are having a guest, of course, today also, like ever until now. And today is with us Kevin McNamara. And Kevin is well known in the beverage industry. And Kevin, hello. <laughs> hello. Nice to be with you. Yes, Kevin. Nice to meet you again. So we have met a long time ago after before COVID and you are not working anymore in your old, I would say old business. So Kevin, what, who are you and what have you done in the past and what are you doing today? Uh, well, as everybody knows, this is quite a long story. <laughs> I could spend three hours here telling you this, but I'd give you a quick summary. Okay, yeah. so we have to inform our podcast listeners that we uh, have an extended version today, yeah? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I graduated from the National University of Ireland many years ago, and my first job was working in the UK. I trained as a synthetic organic chemist, so I spent some time working in, in the UK. And uh, after three or four years in the UK, I decided I, I want to come back to uh, what you call the homeland. And uh, I started working for the government alcohol industry. Now, the problem with the government alcohol industry is that they only made absolute alcohol and some potable alcohol. But these, these two products are very neutral uh, because they're produced on three-column extractive distillation columns. There wasn't much of a challenge there for flavor analysis. But during that time also, um, I was chosen to represent Ireland on the European Union Alcoholic Council. So I had the seat for Ireland. So I went like to Brussels many times a year. I was sharing some tables with people from Irish distillers. And it wasn't long before they, they got me in the bar one night and said, uh, what are you doing in that government company? Come and work for us. So <laughs> that's how... <laughs> I ended up moving to to distillers. Sounds like a lot more fun than uh, what you were doing. It, it was, it was, it was. Because the problem with with whiskey is that the flavor is everything, and um, normally uh, with the neutral alcohol, the columns strip out absolutely everything. Uh, it's just like ethanol water, but in a whiskey, you deliberately leave a lot of flavor behind because you haven't there to be using pot stills, not column stills. And also there's the extra aging, which also gives a new subset of flavors. Mm -hmm. So the summary of all this is that whiskey from the label is 40% ethanol. You can have it higher in, in ethanol and the balanced water. But what they don't tell you is that 0.01% of that are flavor compounds. And this wow. is the challenge. This is the challenge. This is what you have to be able to analyze both from a flavor point of view and also from a regulatory point of view, because there may be trace compounds there like ethyl carbamate and e even pesticides, which uh, you, you need to be able to 
analyze for. How do you do this? When you think about what are the flavor compounds, what are the, let's call them the secondary compounds because some are flavor and some are not. But when you talk about the secondary compounds in a whiskey, the dominant ones that Hundreds of PPM are diffusal alcohols, which lie, like everybody knows about. And you can see 10 or 12 of these by injecting directly in split. So this is how I started with, with distillers. Mm -hmm. Inject in split mode, you only need an FID and you can quantify 10 to 12 of these. But of course, like the problem is that they're not the main contributors to the flavor. You need an enrichment method. You have to get rid of that matrix which is the ethanol water. Mm -hmm. So after a couple of years, I decided I needed some help for an extraction method. So people use ether and DCM and a lot of those not so nice solvents. But I had contact with Professor Adolf Rapp, who was in the University of Karlsruhe. But he also ran the, the Federal Wine Research Institute, Gewalerhof, in Siebeldingen. Mm -hmm. So my wife's parents at that stage lived in Hamburg, Star, and we went there every summer. So this was one hour away from Karlsruhe. In Homburg, uh, that's Hamburg at the Saar. So that's at the Saar. Okay, I, yeah, that's perfect. That's in yeah. south of Germany. That's very close to yeah. to it's that. One yeah. hour away. Lucky guy. So. Yeah. We go on holidays and the kids are screaming and the kids are shouting, take me to the swimming pool, do this, do that. So after one week, I have to get away. <laughs> so I, I go down to Karlsruhe and bring a few bottles of Irish whiskey with me and we have a good time. And I struck up a very good relationship with the Karlsruhe team. So they had this wonderful extraction method using Freon 11. Oh, and oh lovely. And, and, <laughs> and overnight extraction method. So specialist glassware, which I was able to get made in Ireland and so on and so on. So Freon extracts in an, ex, in an overnight extraction at 21 degrees C. So no thermal stress on the whiskey. No, it, it, was a, it was a perfect uh, extraction method. So the deal was every summer for a couple of months, we'd take over to distillers in Ireland where, where we had much more chromatographic equipment than they had, uh, their PhD students. Mm -hmm. So this worked very well. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> um, lots, actually. Uh, so, yeah, the, there's a lot of... Uh, so I don't come from a whiskey background, but I just do a lot of off flavors and milk and orange juice and other stuff. And yeah. I think the gold standard, uh, it's, it's still everyone calls it the gold standard is these uh, safe extraction, which is also glass glassware and, and uh, solvent heavy. Uh, I never could. I, I think people only uh, only put up with that because they had to. I mean, I, I certainly didn't. I ran as few safe samples as I could, and it's mostly using. I was a crystal user at that point. I was getting in a twister and other things. Kind of it was a pretty good extraction technique. The only problem was after like a few years, you go outside and look up at the sky and you can see the start of the ozone hole. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So no more Freon. So we, we had a, a supply to keep us going another year, but uh, I had to think seriously then about a newer enrichment method. 
Yeah. So I had some contact that time with Joachim Gersel, who, who actually ran the, the technical end of Gersel at that stage. Uh, I got on very well with him. He's a, he's a very interesting fellow. So I struck up contact there at that time. That, uh, he was working out, out of a garage in Mulheim with his father. And uh, later on, then they moved to Axienstrasse. So we made good contact there. So he, he explained to me that uh, with, with the PTV injector, this is the Gerstel CIS, you have a, a way there of venting, mm -hmm. venting, and why why buy a normal hot hot injector when you can get like the benefits of a a, a cool in, in injection system which can be heated up as well. So we started working on this, and we started working on a compound which was in in vogue at that time in whiskey called ethyl carbamate. So I, I bought a system, the first system then from, from Gerstel, and we were able to inject 20 microliters of, of sample, uh, like invent most of the un, unwanted metrics. And we were able to get down to the required regulatory level of ethyl carbamate. Mm -hmm. So that worked nicely. So persuaded us then that, uh, you know, this must be the way to go. Okay. In which time frame that was? Can you can you remember that? Oh, end of the 80s. End of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Would have been about right. Yeah, we we started getting into the large volume injector business in the mid eight in the mid 1980s. Mm -hmm. Uh so yeah, that's would have been very early on. A lot you know, a lot of our I think a lot of our audiences even know the whole history of liquid injection and going from split splitless to large volume injectors and mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. Uh it's nice to get it's nice to get back to that. Mm, mm. I remember in like that time also, I learned a, a new German word, which is always stuck in my mind. Lösungsmittelausblendung. Lösungsmittelausblendung. <laughs> 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 like great. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. it's a, it's a difficult word for English speaking uh, for English yeah. uh, speaking people. Or Lösungsmittelausblendung. Yes, okay, so we I can ask our audience to speak it speak it with us now. Lösungsmittelausblendung. Lösungsmittelausblendung. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I, I always used to say to Ralph Remo, the, the Geschäftsführer at that time, if in doubt, Ralph, do Lösungsmittelausblendung. <laughs> <laughs> so we had good fun, yeah. Um, I should also mention as well at that time, as, as well as buying the CIS and, and UGC. We also bought the, the two-oven Gerstel MCS system mm -hmm. because when we injected that 20 microliters, we got a, a lot more complexity onto the first column. So we cut to a different column in the second oven. So this was a, a combination of... 20 microliter large volume injection plus heart cutting. And this worked very, very well. That's monodimensional GC now you've gotten into there. That was Sorry? also in the late 1980s or early 90s? Yeah, coming up to the start of the 90s then, like at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we then started looking at various compounds in whiskey. You've got compounds like the and 
uh, methoxypyrazines and that. And what what you have to what you have to think about here is that there's there's a concept in flavor called the odor units of a compound, mm-hmm. and the odor units of a compound are the concentration divided by the sensory threshold. So you get a, a compound like the masinone, which has an extremely low, extremely low sensory threshold. So even a small concentration will have very high contributory odor units. So we got into all this and we had good success and we started seeing a lot of pyrazines and thiazoles, which we could never have seen before without a system like this. Am I, am, am I making myself clear or do you want to take a coffee, a coffee break? <laughs> well, no, keep going. This is great. So damascenone, that, that's kind of like a flowery kind of, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I, I, used to, I used to know these better than I do now. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's a ring structure. So you get all types of compounds. Um, I know my 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 colleagues in, in, in Japan, in like the Gerson Japan, Nobuo Ochiai, He's he's got a program up there which can link the, the structure of a compound to its perceived aroma. So that's why for the last ten years I have been working with with like Gerstel, but mainly with Gerstel Japan because I, I I consider Gerstel Japan to be the the flavor or the the aroma center of the group. And I agree with that. This team is prima, very, very good. We've done a lot of nice publications and app notes together. Yep. Yep. They're still in, in this business because that's one of their main business in Japan, what they are doing from Gerstel. Yeah, I know. So, uh, well, we, yep. we, come along to, to, we, we come along to talk later to as, as, as we go through the improvements and developments and so on. We'll end with my favorite aroma office, <laughs> yeah. which is... Uh, it's a pity that when I was working still in Irish distillers, Pernod Ricard. Oh yeah, I, I I should I should mention uh, a few years into working for into Irish distillers, Irish distillers was taken over or merged with the Pernod Ricard group. So that's where the growth of Jameson came in, the growth of Irish distillers, because it, as it was explained to me on on, on the first week. Colonel Ricard alone had a thousand people on the ground in France, salespeople. So these salespeople wow. w- would go around to their various contacts, uh, two cases of Ricard here, three cases of Colonel, and then, please, would you take a case of Jameson as well? <laughs> 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 but this is how the thing exploded. <laughs> so when, when, when you link into a global distribution network like that, Bob Jerunkel, there's there's no limit really, you know. But we've been um, my ex company or my old company has been very very happy with Pernod Ricard. Yeah, it also helped as well, of course, that I had a French wife and spoke French. <laughs> that helps. Oh, I'm sure that had been that, very helpful. <laughs> that helped a bit, yeah. Um, where were we? Complexity. Complexity, we have been at the, uh, with, with compounds you found, which we have never seen before, and therefore you needed the uh, dual column 
CTS approach and then uh, using the aroma the to volume. identify the aroma. That's, that's, that's what we and, mean, the red line. And large volume injection. Yes. Right. So for some compounds, you might need to inject more than 20 microliters. So we started to like investigate injecting 100 microliters. And we worked out the mathematics of this. Um, there was a gentleman that worked in Eindhoven, uh, Jack Wrights. He was a consultant also like Gersel at that stage. So he worked out the mathematics of depending on the, the physical nature of the, of the solvent you're trying to inject, the, the injection speed that you should use plus the, the venting rate, meaning the, the amount of helium you use to vent, is it 100 microliters a minute or is it 1,000 microliters a minute? So we, we calculated that for ethanol water, you needed an injection slow rate of 12 microliters a minute, which is very, very slow, and a vent speed of 600 mils a minute. <laughs> wow. So like this, this worked. This worked. But the more you try to inject, the more you're depending on the liner to retain the compounds that you push like into it. And we found uh, it was done in collaboration with uh, your applications chief, uh, Andres Ockman. We found that the more you try to inject, the more then is lost from the liner. It still works. And as long as you have proper internal standards there and so on. So you couldn't go much further than 50 to 100 microliters. So what to do? And then along comes the twister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, a lifesaver. A lifesaver. And before we segue into that, the um, I, I, we kind of skipped past it, but it just so our listeners uh, who might be doing span level chemistry, you're, until this point, you're literally injecting whiskey into a GC. I mean, in, some, it, some volume of, I mean, you're so undiluted. In, into a PTV mm -hmm. injector, <laughs> not wow. into a GC. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's something that's unheard of today. I mean, certainly in the work that I used to do, uh, you know, when I did do consumer products like milk, it, you sure as heck aren't going to be injecting that into a GC, but you could kind of get away with it. But like you said, only up to a point with the whiskey. Yeah. Then you had to do yeah, something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gersel, for, for their non German customers, call it cooled injection system. But the German is Kalt Aufgabe system. Right. System. right. So my my computer password for the last thirty years has been K A S C I S. <laughs> Hopefully you changed it because now it's public. <laughs> oh right, right. I, I, I'll have to I'll have to add a few digits after it or something like that. Whatever. Yeah. We don't want to know whatever, that. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> Just put twister, just put twister in there. <laughs> I'm too old to worry about that. Now, yeah, really. Okay. <laughs> so the twister came then, which was really a, like lifesaver. So this PDMS on, on a store bar, you just drop it. Well, you dilute the whiskey, you say to 20% and just drop the twister in, which is absorbent on a glass line stir bar. Stir for an hour. Take it out, dry it with, with a bit lint-free uh, drying material. And then, of course, you had to buy the, um, what do you call it in German? I know the German word, the, the, the little thing that fits over the CIS. The, On the TDU. 
the TVU, the Thermal <laughs> Distortion Unit. I, I know more German than, than English with these things. Yeah, but we in <laughs> so, Germany also say it's Thermal Desorption System. So yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah, in German, we yeah. say Thermodesorber, which is uh, the German word, but uh, yeah. in, in a typical business English or business context, we, we, we also talk about the TDU as a Thermal Desorption Unit. Yes. Yeah. Originally, cool. it was TDU was Twister Desorption Unit, and then yep. it became thermal desorption unit when people started using things besides twister but uh, that's a whole another whole another topic for yeah. another podcast but yeah, yeah. It, so so this would have been right around 2001 2002 and now yeah, yeah, you and probably. i are starting to overlap in time that's right around the time that i started using twisters for orange juice and milk but yeah you know i was looking for weeds and things that you know like ink acrylates from packaging that no one wanted yeah you had you, yeah. Had, you were looking on the flowers though you had all the nice flavor compounds yeah yeah that's right that's right it helps when when you when you're an analyzing nice flavor compounds. So you, you use the Twister then also at, at which time? So I, I'm the timekeeper today, so I would like to, to click, uh, classify the, the areas where you're living, uh, where you're working on, on different parts. So Twister around the, around the start of the new millennium. Okay. Probably. Yeah. That's uh, what, maybe, that's maybe, what, at the time where Twister was released here from us. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little earlier. Yeah, also. Yeah. So you had, you had this very nice combination now, the Gersel, let's call it CIS, the coolant detection system and the thermal desorption unit sitting on top of that and when when you work out the gas flows and that what you need to do yeah you have this very nice way of of desorbing the compounds from the twister keeping the cis cooled with the split vent open and trapping all all the compounds in the liner mm -hmm. so it's a little bit more efficient than large volume injection which takes an inordinately long time and you tend to lose compounds from the liner, but it's much, much less with the thermal, the, the thermal like desorption units and the cooled injection port. Mm -hmm. So we, we had a lot of success there. Now, of course, as you know, in like, like this life, you, you have to, you're spending money. You're spending a lot of money because <laughs> I used to always say at that time, Gerson equipment is good, but it's not cheap. <laughs> that's how it is. That's, that's but, always how it's been, yeah. So you have to seize every opportunity that's like given to us to to see to justify the cost of these equipment. There's a very nice word in in, in French for that. Saisir le moment, seize the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we were doing at that stage, we had a side company. It was in the, in the UK actually. To do some contract bottling for us. Mm -hmm. We were at that time expanding uh, our own bottling units. So we hired this well-respected well company in the UK to do some contract bottling. Now, the whiskey came back and the taste panels from time to time came to us and said, there's a, a very, very slight flavor of gin from this whiskey. So, okay, we had to look at it ourselves. And I, I, if you're in a blind tasting or, you know, you, you could get that very thing. We send the team over to, to the bottling plant. And of course, this bottling plant, they bottled everything. So we found that often before they bottled the whiskey for us, they were bottling gin. Mm. And so, of course, you know, the flavor compounds in gin are terpenes. Yep, juniperine, yeah, et cetera. They're very, very strong compounds. And unless you wash the line for a week after, which they couldn't afford to do, it's never really totally clean. Mm -hmm. So what, what we did then was we 
took the whiskey, which ha- had been bottled el- elsewhere, so had no flavor of gin. And we took this whiskey and we did extractions on them with like the twister. And we found two or three compounds which were in gin and we used those as a model. Uh, we, we put the, the system into the selected ion monitoring. And we were clearly very quickly able to show that in this suspect whiskey, as well as getting the flavor from the taste panel, we were able to show that these compounds were present at a trace amount. So our our non-technical directors then were able, based on that, so you had the subjective tasting evidence and now you had our more more structured evidence so they were able to take a claim against like the bottling plant so one of the young directors uh, an accountant uh, called me up to his office later and he said kevin whatever you want with garstel buy it <laughs> <laughs> so the door- people you're happy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they had they uh, in the bottling plant they have had a kind of carryover as we know it and in chromatography absolutely. also yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so you you see moments like this when when they come along yeah yeah great yeah after that we started dynamic space of course which is nice too that also uses the Gersel like like sampler mps yeah mm-hmm. multi-purpose sampler and <clears throat> um, we started dynamic headspace then we bought the uh, dynamic space. What was the other one that that you sell? My my memory is going now. Yeah, uh, dynamic headspace is right. Oh, yeah, like dynamic headspace. Yeah, dynamic yeah, headspace. Yeah, we also bought that. So we had uh, we had static headspace for some compounds, and we used dynamic headspace then for others. So I remember we we evolved a nice system where. We used a combination on the same sample of static headspace followed by dynamic headspace. So static headspace gave a certain subset of compounds, and dynamic headspace gave the others. Together with Andreas Hoffman, we published an app note on this. And I remember he telling me a couple of months after that in Riva that it was the most it it was the most downloaded app for a number of years. <laughs> I think it still is actually. So, yeah, it's DHS. Nice. Is, I, I wish I had it. I, I, uh, I at that point in my career, I, I wasn't in the lab much anymore, and it was it's the one tool that's um, incredibly valuable in, in flavor fragrance. Uh, it, if you're not familiar with it, anybody's listening, the um, in static headspace, you pull one milliliter of gas out of a out of the headspace yeah. of a 22 mil yeah. vial, typically. And in dynamic headspace, you're going to purge that vial with yeah. whatever you want. Usually, yeah. usually yeah. 100 to 500 milliliters of gas. So yeah. sensitivity boost yeah. is huge, and that yeah. allows you yeah. to uh, it allows you to get to even much lower detection limits and see even more. I mean, it, it's 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 interesting to see the progression of this conversation go from fusel alcohols yeah. to ethyl carbamate. Um, you know, and so we're going from one large class of compounds to another set of compounds to yeah. another wider set of compounds, terpenes. I mean, at some point, we're going to be looking at what thousands of different compounds, right? Yeah, it's ohne ohne Ende. It's <laughs> without end. In German, yes, another German end. word. <laughs> <laughs> so you're very familiar with Germany. So you have to be in, uh, you have yeah. been lo- uh, a lot of times here in in Mulam, I think. Well, uh, okay, a little story about that. When we ordered our first MCS system, the two-oven yeah. system, it was one of the first ones. Actually, Gerstel, uh, Joachim and Mr. Gerstel Sr., they produced three of those at that stage. 
Mm-hmm. I bought one. I persuaded the Karlsruhe group to buy a second one. And I don't know where, where, where the third one went. But I remember Joachim Gersel telling me at that stage, you saved our lives, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, two-dimensional, two-dimensional, yeah. I'm, I'm a great believer in combinations of technologies. Or com- no, no, let's put it like this combinations of techniques so back around uh, 2000 something i can't remember the exact time uh, i was asked to uh, this was i was asked to pre- present a paper at the first cognac international symposium now of course this was a, a terrific honor i mean everybody when they thought about cognac in france it was the leader in, in a lot of things. So I thought around about what, what are we going to do here? So as well as Gerstel technology, I also worked very closely with a, a German company in Würzburg, Illudest. They make very specialized distillation equipment. And of course, that was fine for me because we're, we're also a like, distilling company. So I, I had a, a sophisticated distillation unit from them, which was vacuum controlled. So I could distill whiskeys into various fractions. Mm-hmm. So we isolated one complex fraction. I remember tiny fraction from about three liters of malt whiskey. And this was a fraction of no more than a few mils. But the aroma from it was extremely interesting. So when I, I ran a GC on it, I saw at least 40 sulfur compounds that wow. we had this, we had this chemiluminescent detector mm-hmm. at that stage, which also uh, Gerson were agents for like at that yep. stage. So this GC, all these sulfur compounds came out in the, the second half of the chromatogram. And in the first half of it, there was a lot of non-sulfur matrix. So I packed this sample off then to Mulheim, where I can't remember the name of the expert that you had at that stage. He's probably long dead now, but we did preparative <laughs> GC on it. Yeah. Preparative GC. Yeah. To, to cut off the un, uninteresting first half and concentrate even more the sulfur compounds in the second half. So when I ran the chromatogram on this and the sulfur, it was a lot more complex. So then we needed 2D. We, we needed hard cutting. Mm-hmm. But the end of the story is then we spent a few weeks, or maybe a month, hard cutting. And in the end, we were able to do this very nice paper for the Cognac Symposium in which we identified at least eight or nine new medium boiling sulfur compounds. So it was very, very nice. And one of them I even remember the name of it. Two, two furanal tiazol had a chocolate aroma. Wow. So a lot of people, when, when they think about sulfur compounds, they think about the low-boiling, what are called fecal sulfur compounds. Yeah, they, they do smell bad, but there's a lot more which can have positive aroma for, for a product. And it is even a saying, uh, 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 one of the 
the scientist from Heineken told me one time, he said, Kevin, if you take a beer and you drop into it a few grams of a few grains of copper sulfate, which destroys sulfur compounds, not a beer anymore. Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're removing these contributory like sulfur compounds. So that's the, the cognac symposium, yeah? I sympathize with what you said. Normally, when someone says uh, sulfur compounds, my nose instantly crinkles up. We had, uh, I remember solving an odor problem once um, in paper products, and we were buying standards for this. And there was a literally on the bottle, it, it, you know, you're used to this chemistry, you're used to these warnings, you know, acidic or warning, you know, possibly yeah. explosive. This one said, warning, extreme putrid stench. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's right. We literally took the we literally made standards out in the parking lot because we were afraid yeah. of what happened. Yeah, you had to. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. on the really low levels, some of these you said the, the low boilers. Uh, one of my personal favorites was what three mercapto, two methyl, one mercapto. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, those yeah. things. Yeah, that's cat urine and other things like that. But <laughs> everything. Yeah. The, yeah. What's funny though, you're right that you get in these more complex structures, they become more uh, savory, or like you said with the chocolate. Um, or even, uh, you know, even, uh, I think at low levels, things like H2S, which is, you know, horribly stenchy at high levels, at very low levels in the beings also part of the, uh, the kind of the meaty, the meaty smell or taste that people expect. So it's, it's, it's a function yeah. of, uh, not just the chemical, but also how much of it's there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very, very complex and you have to take into account our physiology and, uh, everything like that. People react differently to different compounds. So. I, I I used to say to um, okay just just talk about sulfur compounds for a minute. All this angst about sulfur compounds came because back in Napoleon's time, when cognac was the premier uh, drink in this area, the cognac people bought their wine for like distillation from every small wine farmer that they had living in their area. So you could have a uh, 200 wine farmers shipping in wine, and the quality of some of them was atrocious. <laughs> so that's where the copper stills came from, because copper also destroys sulfur. Oh, that's right. I so, didn't. I, you know, this, my entire life, I never put those two things together. But you're right. Yeah, mm. that's the origin of the copper. So companies these days spend vast amounts of money on copper stills. It's, it's always been my opinion that there's no need for that, but I've been told, don't ever say that, Kevin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I always thought it was about thermal conductivity, but no, you're right. It probably yeah. started out with sulfur and now it's just become yeah. so in, entrenched, you can't change it. Yeah, yeah. So th there was um, a new distillery opening up in Ireland here last year and they contacted me and for the green whiskey, they were using stainless steel uh, stills, columns, mm -hmm. and they were extremely worried, uh, like about sulfur. And I said to them, "This whiskey, when when you when you sniff it or, or do a, an organoleptic assessment, you get a, a sulfur aroma." And they said, uh, "No." Well, forget about it then, I said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good they point. were thinking of going to the Scotch Whiskey Research Institute and paying out a fortune to get sulfur tested. No need. <laughs> if you don't smell it, 
There's no need, yeah. Okay, that, that leads us the, uh, again to a topic where we are already had. The nose is one of the best detectors we have. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we, we had a sniff detector. We had the Gersa sniff detector also in uh, like distillers. Mm -hmm. And it's very nice. Um, you can isolate regions of the chromatogram where you have a lot of activity. And then what we used to do is if there was one extremely interesting region that we didn't see much in, on the actual GC or the MS trace, we would cut that into uh, the 2D system. And so, you know, you could spend a lot of time working on this. Uh, so it, it's all interesting. It's all a, it's all a buildup of information, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and, and it's really neat, too, that, I mean, there were times when we did things, we, we would get a, we'd have that, we'd, we'd have that sniff board, the ODP. Uh, and there was a woman I used to work with, I'm hoping to get on this podcast. Um, we, we picked on her cause she had a very sensitive nose and we said, we guess we had a bad sample. Would you uh, run the ODP and tell us what you think? I always felt bad. We try to make her smell bad things all the time, but very often she could smell something and the, and the, and the trace coming out of the mass yeah. spec was flat. I mean, there yeah, was just, yeah. you know, nothing oh, there. And absolutely. yeah, you absolutely. ended up having to concentrate and, and get back to this. And then the other topic that I always tell people, yeah, we can quantitate all these terpenes or whatever else you want out of whiskey or, or anything you want, but we can't tell you that it tastes good. Uh, you got a great mm. point about, you know, don't do all that analytical testing. If you, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. does it taste okay? Then yeah, then it's fine. Don't, don't go hunting yeah. for, don't go hunting for a problem. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Well, our, our, our philosophy was this kind of work, do it if you have time, because it's speculative. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we had to do the basic work and, and uh, we had to do the troubleshooting first if there was a problem on, on the plant and that. But uh, also, Curtin, this will be something that you'll uh, understand as well. This thing about aroma is it's symbiotic. So if you... If you go to a sniff detector, you're dealing there with you get a, a very in, interesting sniff in, in a region of the chromatogram, but you're sniffing that on its own and it may have been concentrated. Yep. So yeah, ha you have to ask yourself back in the original product, would, would would these sensations that you're seeing maybe not be apparent at all? Oh, you're exactly right about that. And it comes out in almost infinitely concentrated for that yeah. two seconds that but, it comes out of the column. So yeah, it's not it's not it's not yeah. a reflection of reality with the experiencing the entire sample. But it's symbiotic as well, because you're you're sniffing just these single compounds only and maybe mixed with, with the rest of them. That sensation might might fade out. So yeah, one of my colleagues uh, talks about that. I think you might know him or Madam Ray Marsili uh, uses the word uh, synergistic effects. That the two compounds, when separated in the chromatogram, you know, don't tell you what something actually smells like. It's only when you smell them simultaneously that yeah, you actually yeah, get yeah, the, yeah. The, the real the real sense of it. Yeah, there's, a, there's a big yeah. argument amongst the, that the entire well, like like everything in science, uh, there's always a lot of arguments going on, and there's still people who don't think that synergistic effects are a mm. thing. Um, mm. I think they are. I, I think that mm. humans perceive a combination of things differently than they perceive the individuals. Mm. 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 I often had, I, I didn't meet Ray, but I used to have discussions with Al, Al Robot. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, about this, but I, I believe he's, uh, 
He's closed down the sensory group, has he? He, he had the sensory group at Tufts. Is, is that active still? Um, no, Al retired, but in the process of doing that, we stole one of his best people. So there's a woman named Nicole Kafori uh, that used to work for Al uh, and now works for uh, Gristle Inc. in Baltimore. And yeah, she's oh, our okay, okay. resident sensory expert. She's very good. Okay. Okay, good, 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 good. All right. Okay. Uh, where do we go from here? Yes, so that that was a lot of that's what has been a lot of things. What you have done in your past? So, what what are the latest things you have done in your career before you retire? Because we have to mention that you are already retired. In your bio at the uh, beginning of the podcast, uh, you you told where you have started, but uh, we all know that you have retired already. But you are still in business, as as it looks like. So, what have you done in the, still- in the in the last? days or weeks or whatever in, in, in your career? And what are you doing today? Uh, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll just go and call my wife in and she can tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just okay. get off that computer, get off that phone. Okay, tell give, her the people you're not free. <laughs> give, give, that's great. Give, give me her number and I will call her and I'll invite yeah. her to the next episode yeah. of this podcast. Or, yeah. we, or we cut it in, at the end here right, as an outtake. Take her down. Take her down. Take her down to Riva and, and, and wine and dine her. That should solve the problem, yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, uh, there's just one one more bit I, I feel I'd like to mention here, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, also in the middle of that era, about after 2000, uh, we got an in- invitation for a special edition from L- LCGC of mul- multidimensional GC. LCGC were bringing out a special edition. So, of course, the entire thing was the comprehensive people, but they asked me to do the the hard-cutting bit, which I did. And we did something new on that, which I think the, uh, let's call them the comprehensive people. I, I don't like calling them the comprehensive people, and you'll see why soon. Let's call them the GC by GC people. Mm-hmm. So we we set up the Gerstle two oven system, and we started a, a sequence of repetitive injections of the same sample onto the first column, with consecutive cuts to, to the second column. Twenty injections, twenty consecutive cuts. So we were totally profiling the sample, and then we we wrote some nice MATLAB programs to draw up some nice graphs and curves and and 2 and 3D uh, expositions of that. So I told some of the comprehensive people that this was comprehensive on a a hard-cutting system, and they haven't spoken to me since. (laughs) (laughs) But you can see it was. Mm -hmm. It was. And also you got all these nice files over the next morning which you could examine at your ease, not to have to do that uh, extremely complicated software and profiling. So I quite like that. I don't know if Gerstle still sell the M- M- MCS, MCS system. Yes. But it, it's it's yeah, not but as it's, common as it was in the, I would say, early 20s. So... No, but, in but the last years, few, I, I've sold sort of a few of them, but but not too much. So it, it's it's yeah. still there. It's still in, typically in the aroma industry. That's that's where we yeah. see that. Yeah. But it's yeah. not as common, I would say, anymore. It 
in in my in my view so it's in my view is not very very broad in in all industries but um yeah but it's still there so yes yeah, i can speak to that a bit um because i'm on use well when i'm not in an airplane i'm living in cincinnati and so so i get to talk to our u.s colleagues so there's a lot uh, the system they, they sell there they, they call it 1d 2d and um that's a heart cutting system uh, uh, and yeah. uh yeah th there's a lot of that going out right now believe it or not yeah. Um, and this is probably a good way to leave uh, to get to get to you know uh, current state of the art, so to speak. Yeah. It's not really state of the art, but we find a lot of one D two D systems being used for MIB and Geosmin and whiskey. Yeah, which I always yeah. thought was yeah. interesting. I'm like, well, it's MIB and Geosmin. Can't you just do that on a single quad with a twister? And well, yeah. the problem is that the ions, the you can't do MSMS or or sim on them because the ions are too too common with other stuff. So mm. the only mm. way to clean up. Uh, the, the the complex complicated chromatogram. You're going to start with Twister, but you have to have one D two D to filter out all the other chromatographic peaks. It's not going to help yeah. you to do it by high end mass spec or a comprehensive GC is overkill because you're going after yeah. a couple of things that you you're looking for. And the other thing I'd point out, yeah. I always saw as a weakness of flavor compounds or flavor analysis and uh, and the so called comprehensive GC was that the resonance time in column two is yeah, in, so mill short. in yeah. milliseconds. And your your, yeah, yeah, your, your yeah. nose can't respond to it. it, it just yeah, can't. that's right. And com complicated software and everything. I, I often wondered since there has been no reverb for the last four, four to six years is the GC by GC system? Is, is it, are, are they being sold as like a routine system? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I, I look at. I think the people that produce those want you to think it's simple and easy, to, easy to use. But um, you know, by far and large, most of what's going on out there uh, in terms of flavor fragrance, um, the larger topic, what I call brand protection, which is what I was involved yeah. in, which is you know off yeah. flavors and yeah. off odors and things. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's still very much a single quad, you know, basic mass spec system. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think I think comprehensive is bigger in other areas. Certainly the petroleum people love it but yeah, they're not that's right they, they, they're you know they're not they're not trying to sniff things <laughs> yeah that's right that's right that's right that's right but yeah it, right. it's still yeah. it's still you know I, I think the state of the art um for flavor and fragrance analysis is still single quad based a lot of the focus is on the sample introduction uh thin film spemi has now been an add-on to twister uh mm. to extend its range to more polar compounds so you see that going on and then um mm. then the 1d 2d you know if you're really stuck 1d 2d is really nice and the great thing mm. about that the way that's implemented is that the second dimension chromatogram winds up in the same data file I, well that's it yeah yeah that's I, it. I had a heart cutting system back when uh, i was international paper years ago and the problem was the main chromatogram came out on fid you could heart cut to the mass spec yeah. yeah, you didn't. It was all in two data files now, and was a and was and you couldn't obviously the FID plot. Yeah, there's so much yeah. you didn't know. But uh, yeah. yeah, now the way it's done is it's really slick, and we're seeing we're seeing yeah. a lot of growth in that. Even you know, for general sol solving odor problems, but also like I said, MIG, MIB and Jasmin. I mean, as you said mm. at the beginning, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. most yeah. of whiskey is water, and well, water is yeah. usually surface water, and now that leads mm. us to MIB and Jasmin. Yeah, yeah, it works. It works. Yeah. But Kurt, we'll be talking about uh, 1D, 2D at your May symposium. Yes. So yeah, that, that, that's yeah. going to come out. Yeah, that that's one of the things that's coming up. We have a we, we have a regular uh, distillers. Uh, there's there's actually an event in Kentucky every year that we we do things with the distillers. But there, there's also mm -hmm. now a regular 
uh, Spirits webinar series we do with Agilent Technologies uh, every, mm. every spring. And uh, mm. yeah, that, that's coming up soon. Uh, and speaking of that, that, that falls into the category of what's Kevin doing next? And yes, you're, <laughs> you're part of that. Um, I have two more small items here. How are we doing for time? That's up to you. Uh, we're about 45 minutes in. Um, uh, that's that's okay to to come to an end. Otherwise, the episode will be too long, and other uh, and the listeners will will cut it off okay. or will switch just, it over. Okay, I just I'll just mention the substance, and I, I won't go into it. We also did pyrolysis GCMS. Oh, it's cool. the two main casks are American Quercus alba and European Quercus rober. So we took pieces of the two woods. And together with your research department in Mulheim, we did pyrolysis GC on the, on the actual woods and tried to link some of the compounds we found with actual compounds in the whiskey from each type of wood. So we did make some success there, but I was retired at that stage. And I believe the, the Nachvolger after me in Cork, she, she, uh, Nachvolgerine, she, she didn't... Uh, continue with this word with this work but I, I thought it was interesting okay so that's paralysis gcms and the last thing is aroma office so just to say very quickly you you now have this wonderful work schedule where you you do two dynamic headspace with two different adsorbents and you trap all the compounds in the whiskey push them into the injection port liner and on, onto the GCMS. Move, and the, the data file is moved with just a mouse click out into Agilent deconvolution, which, of course, finds out the, the, the MS, the compounds which have a real MS. And that's then moved into the second filter aroma office, which takes out the aroma compounds from that. And we, we did that on three different Irish gins. And in the space of a very short time with, with no work, just mouse clicks really, 126 compounds in wow. gin, one gin, 114 in another, and so on and so on. I mean, this, this arrangement must be Every chemist stream, every flavor chemist stream. Yeah, well, it, so, it's getting bigger because all the distillers now, we had this like bourbon renaissance in the United States and they end up creating more uh, more than they can actually put in a barrel. So what do they do with the excess? They make gin out of it. Hmm. So, hmm. so hmm. The, the entire gin market in the United States has really picked up because it's become a hmm. byproduct of the, of, the, of the bourbon boom. So yeah, and hmm. every distillery out there is now selling gin. And of course, being able to identify these yeah, problems yeah. quickly is going to be a big deal. That's awesome because there's no there's no there's no aging also for gin so you can you can make it today and sell it tomorrow. Yep. You know? That makes it easier right. instead of waiting 12 years in a in a barrel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. yeah, great. So, so, what are you doing in the next time? So Well, my my contract with Gerstel, well, I should say Gerstel KK ends, ends this June. Okay. Ends this June. And I, I think I will probably take our leave from each other. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still a consulting, I'm still a 
consulting partner with the German distillation company. Okay. So I'll probably keep that as nice. And otherwise, uh, I was in the type of school many years ago where I spent five years studying Hellenic Greek. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm deep into that now because it means I can read Plato in, in, in the original. Oh, nice. that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. That's nice, yeah. That's great. Yes, great. So, oh yeah, we, we have a son in China with his Chinese wife and a little girl. So we looking forward to going out there again soon, spending a, maybe a month there, yeah? Oh, what a great idea. I think I think I met him once when I was uh, in Beijing, um, or, or at least I was where he works. I can't remember. Carl. Carl. Yes. He's, yeah. Okay, good. Good. Okay. I'll, I'll mention you to him the next time I see him. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sounds great so thank you very much kevin for giving us uh, all the deep uh, explanations what have what you have done all your techniques you have used from us which is uh, a pleasure to to hear and um yes all all the knowledge you have had and all the inspiration you 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 gave us and all the, to all the team and together and at this point um yes uh, i will say thank you thank you very much for this nice talk today I will lead to Kurt and the last words are for you and then have a good day. Okay. Yeah. Thanks to you guys too. No. Thanks to you guys. Oh, no, thank you, Kevin. It's a good chance to talk to you again. Yeah. I've always enjoyed, you know, meeting you here and talking to you over a beer or something about all this stuff. Um, it's just really fascinating and it's, uh, it's great to talk to an expert in this area. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thanks to you too. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.